My name is Megan and I am 34 years old. Like a lot of kids, when I was growing up, I grew up in a broken home. By the age of 13, I was using weed and alcohol, um, partying, you know, with the outsider group, I guess you could say. So that eventually led to pills. And then by the age of 16, I was uh, using meth. I started becoming an IV heroin addict. One night, I was with my brother at a concert. Next thing I know is being shaken awake by my brother. Um, I had just overdosed and um, all I could hear, all I remember hearing him say was, I thought you were dead. And I knew at that point something had to change. And that's when I decided to enter the Adult and Teen Challenge program. Accepting the responsibility of decisions that you've made is not easy, um, but it was, I was able to see that the Lord had moved in the staff members' lives there. And it gave me hope that He would do it for me as well. Later on, I found out that not only was He willing, but that He wanted to. I learned that my identity was in Christ. It wasn't in my addiction or in my sexuality. I learned what it means to turn away from my old life. And I gained a family. I really, I gained a family that I felt like I had, had not had as a child that I'd missed out on. Psalm 68.6 says that he sets the lonely in families. And I believe he gave me that verse one day when I was reading the Bible in Team Challenge. He was showing me that the church, that his people could fill those roles as family members in my life. I wouldn't consider myself to have been a Christian before coming to the program. It wasn't until I was able to experience just his love through his people, um, you know, to know that it's real. Jesus Christ led me on a journey and he taught me how to trust him. He really showed me that this is a, a real walk that people live. So anybody that is facing addiction or any kind of life controlling issue, just know that it does not have to stay that way. There is hope and there are places that can help you. Are you ready to make the change though is the question. It is so fun to be part of a church where people are so real and honest. I just, I love these my stories. Uh, if you're a part of True Grace Church, when you give to missions, you support stories just like that. I mean, like every month, thousands of dollars goes through our church, right out of our church to mission, uh, missions organizations like Teen Challenge and missionaries all over the world. And I, when I hear her say that, um, when Megan says, you know, it's, it's not easy to take responsibility for your decisions. Um, but you can come full circle, and there is hope from life-controlling uh, addictions and issues in our lives. And so, man, what a great, what a great life story and, and ministry. I, would, I just want to take this moment. I don't do this enough, but when you give beyond your normal giving to missions at this church, 
That is so incredible. And there are many uh, other churches and pastors who know about the giving towards missions here in Lacey. uh, And they just, you know, they esteem that. And so thank you for being someone who gives to change people's lives outside of our four walls. Uh, Good things are happening. This weekend we had a marriage uh, conference right here, Friday night and Saturday. Uh, Lots of incredible moments, uh, re-inspiration. What I loved most was to see the marriages that have already been going 30 or 40 years to show up and say, I know there's something more. I know there's another principle for me, and we want to keep growing, and we want to keep investing in this relationship. When I saw those people, I was like, that's who I want to be. When I've been married 40 years, I hope I'm still signing up for marriage conferences and still growing in my marriage. So great win this weekend. Lots of uh, just cool prayer times and re-inspiration times to make that commitment and value that covenant. And uh, Jeff and Carrie um, Dushman are here this weekend, so thank you guys for coming. And I talked him into sticking around and speaking on Sunday uh, so I could uh, check my fantasy football team while you're, while you're preaching. <laughs> So uh, Jeff's a friend of mine uh, from college um, 20-some years ago, moved across uh, the mountains, and he's missing the traffic, so he came back over here uh, this weekend to spend some time on this side. Uh, So you'll be blessed to have him here. By the way, this is a big weekend because, now this is funny. This is ironic. Today, there's a big Seahawk game, and today there's a bigger Mariner game. Can you believe that? Somebody like, who's the Mariners? All right. Where have you been? All right. Uh, So like today, we might find out that the Mariners might actually make the playoffs. And in this upside down world we live in, if the Mariners make the playoffs and the Seahawks don't, it would almost be fitting. It would almost be just kind of weird. So um, for those of you that are excited about that, I am too. We'll see what happens there. I want to take this moment. It is the first weekend of October. And I want to take a moment and just take a a time to appreciate our pastors. In our church, we have uh, four pastors. But we also have four directors of ministries, which really function as pastors. And October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And we just want to top, just stop and just say thank you. And so I, in our form of government, the, the lead pastor is also the chairman of the board. So our board got together. We said, we want to make sure that we always honor leadership. It's easy to complain. It's easy to second guess. It's easy to have your preferences. Um, but to pray for those who are in leadership in our church is so important and keep them encouraged. And I have people in this church who have made a decision. I will encourage that guy. And I love those people. I I could cry talking about people who just made an intentional decision. I'm not going to let Pastor Peter uh, go unencouraged in our church. And and I don't know if I'd still be in ministry without them. So it's a big deal to me. So I want to just walk through eight people. Go ahead if you'll throw them on the screen. Um, This is Adelie and and Gabriel. And we mentioned them a few weeks ago. They joined our church for the last six months. I want to just take credit that I prayed them in. uh, But I don't think that's really true. I think the Lord brought them in here. So uh, Adelie, worship director. And then Alex and his lovely wife, Hannah. Um, Alex, you know, he came to me, and he's his music on steroids. He knows a little bit more about music than I do. And so together, they kind of form like our worship uh, pastor team here. So we love them, appreciate them. Jessica uh, has been an assistant uh, to me. She's kind of like an assistant pastor now, and she leads all of our gatherings. She makes sure the online things go well. And if you know me, you know it's a good thing we have someone who has an attention to detail uh, on the staff, and that's who she is. She runs that. And we have Vani Yoder. Uh, Vani has been um, in our church. I think uh, President Reagan was shot the year that Vani joined our church or something like that. It's been a while. And she's been so faithful and committed to run all of our business administration stuff. So huge thank you. 
Um, Brooke came here when Pastor Chief worked with Pastor Josh for a while. God, God called him to go plant a church. We looked at her and said, you're pretty good at this. And then she started preaching and praying. We're like, you're really good at this. And so Brooke and Hutton, thank you for being our youth pastors the last couple of years. This last summer, Pastor Lauren took some time off to be a mom and just go have a baby. And I'm telling you, the amount of laughter in the office just plummeted. And the moment she came back, it was just like like joy just in, and just came in the staff. She is a party in a box everywhere she goes. And we are thankful for this family and their, and their baby. Um, pastor Dave came here nine years ago when I became the lead pastor. I was so grateful. He has humility. He has a heart for people. He knows people's names. Uh, no matter how big the church gets or so many services, he just cares for the individual. Um, and, and he and Sharon are a blessing to our church. They just, they love God and love people. So what a friend uh, he has. And then this gal keeps this guy from really messing up uh, big time. And she's my hiking buddy. And we, uh, I've, I was telling uh, Jeff that I've been in this church since I was eight years old. Like, so I'm 46. So I've been in this church for 38 years. Half of the years I've been in this church, I've been a pastor in this church. Um, but if you knew me at eight years old, you'd be like, God would have to do a miracle in that kid's life. And he has. So we love being uh, lead pastors here in the last nine years and just, just a blessing. So uh, when you see these folks, uh, just, just let them know. In fact, there is a um, basket on the information counter the whole month of October. Honestly, a card of encouragement would be amazing. Uh, if you're more the digital person and you want to just go to the website, if you click on their picture, uh, their email should populate, and you could just send them a word just saying, hey, I appreciate you. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, like Pastor Lauren, she's dealt with the kids' ministries in, in the pandemic. And, you know, half the families are not sure if they want to really, you know, bring their kids uh, uh, to church environment, and we were shut down with kids for a long time. So, man, just, you know, if you don't know which one to encourage, we'll just pick Lauren, okay, because we love her. Um, keep them encouraged. Uh, just affirm them, bless them, let them know that you appreciate all that they do, all right? Wow, I do sincerely appreciate everyone and uh, for what they do. I've met some new people here today. If you uh, if you're signed up for the membership class, I'm really looking forward to getting to know you a little bit more. If you don't make that, there's going to be a newcomers lunch coming up as well, a little bit beyond that. But it's just so fun to have new faces and be learning new names all the time uh, in our church. So if you're new here, you've especially encouraged us already. All right, I think we have a few pictures of the uh, retreat or the conference this weekend, and then Jeff's going to come share. Well, good morning, everyone. So great to be here today. Just a uh, part of True Grace here today. And also want to uh, welcome the online crew as well as the Softer Sundays crew. And so we're so glad to have you as well. It's an honor for, for Carrie and I to be here today. I have known Peter for many, many, many years, as he said. And uh, I just have a, a huge amount of respect for him. In fact, I shared this with Peter yesterday at, at lunch that uh, about, I think it was about nine years ago, Peter actually taught a workshop on, on, on being a lead pastor, and it was just before I'd become the lead pastor of Stone Church in Yakima. We are from the Palm Springs of Washington, right? Home of the, home of the Minor Burger, right? Home of the Minor Burger. So it was just before I became the lead pastor uh, at, at Stone, and so I was just, you know, taking a whole bunch of notes, and uh, Peter really shared just uh, insights at that workshop that honestly... I, I've never forgotten. Like, 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 I still think of them. One was slowly follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so I've remembered that after all these years. I now quote it as if it's my own comment now, you know, but just have such a huge, huge appreciation for Peter. But I will, I will say this. I am going to razz him for the rest of my life 
for inviting me to speak at True Grace and giving me the topic of tithing. So I'm going to bug him, but uh, no, I know that you're in a generosity series right now, and it just so happens that uh, uh, the marriage conference was on that weekend. But would you raise your hand if you are a saver? You love to save money. You like to just put money away, save for that emergency fund. And you think in your mind, well, well, Jesus saves and I save. So I'm really a lot like Jesus in that way. Savers in the house, right? Okay. Where are the spenders? You love to spend money, right? You love to, you think Jesus gave gifts. I like to give gifts. And so when I spend money, I'm actually a lot like the Lord in that way. I'm actually honoring God by spending. So that's what you could say. Jesus gives gifts, and so do I. I, I, tend, to be, I tend to be a saver, and I actually get stressed out if I feel like I am wasting money in any way. In fact, I remember just a couple years ago, Carrie and I were, were on our 20-year anniversary, and, and we were in Maui. And we landed in Maui, and we were at the rental car place getting our rental car. And they asked a question before we took off. They said, do you want to prepay for a full tank of gas? And they said, yeah, I, I wish I would have said no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they said, you can, you know, four or $4.50 a gallon. And I said, well, well, what do most people do? They said, well, you know, the, the, the gas is, it's like in the city, it's, it's in the city, so a lot of people don't want the hassle of that, you know. So I said, Kara, what do you think we should do? She said, I think we'll just do it on our own. I said, ah, I don't know. Let's just, let's just do it. Let, let's just do it. They said that the gas station is far in the city. And so, so we, we get our rental car, and we pull out of the airport, and there's a Costco gas right next to the airport. <laughs> right there. And, and I begin to think, I've been scammed. Like, like I fell for it. And, and, and what I would then further learn is when you're at a resort in Maui, you don't drive your car all that much. It basically sits in the parking lot. And so this is just eating at me the entire trip. The fact that I'd wasted, you know, 20 or 30 bucks. It was just driving me insane. In fact, here is my level of immaturity. This is my level of immaturity. I would actually, because I, 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 I became committed to wasting as much gas as I could. <laughs> like that was my mission. On our 20-year anniversary getaway, my mission was wasting gas. And so I would, I would drop, carry off at the grocery store, and then I would go park in the parking lot and rev the engine the entire time she was in the grocery store just to waste gas. And here's the thing. I felt great about it. Like, I just, I felt great about it. And so I tend to be, to kind of be a saver. All of us come to the conversation about finances from a little bit different place. Listen to this. If you're jotting down notes, you might want to jot a few of these things down. There are 500 verses in the Bible about prayer. There's about 500 verses in the Bible about faith, and there are more than 2,000 verses on the subject of money and possessions. Now, now, now why, why is that? Because I think that, that Jesus knew that probably his chief competitor for our heart would be money and possessions. Now, 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 I want you to rest, rest easy and, and 
you know, put any guilt deflectors down, you know, because I'm not here to make anybody feel bad about, about having money or possessions or nice things. In fact, look at 1 Timothy 6. says that God has provided us with everything for our enjoyment. So I actually think it's wonderful to, to really work hard and provide for our families and try, try to do nice things for our families. But wouldn't we agree that the Bible also teaches that how we handle money really reveals our affections. How we, hand, how we approach our calendar and our checkbook reveals our true affections and priorities. And so I just want to just talk for a few moments about Luke chapter 19. If you've got your Bibles, would you turn there with me? Luke chapter 19, just verses 1 through 10. And then I thought we'd just pull out uh, three different principles that we see from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Uh, it says this, Jesus entered uh, uh, Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. What everybody say? Zacchaeus. 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 He was a chief tax collector. If you got your Bible, you might want to circle, highlight, underline that part right there. He was a chief tax collector. And he was what? He was wealthy. He was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the law. Just a couple principles to draw out. Number one is this. No one is beyond the saving grace of Jesus. Aren't you glad? Yeah, right? No one is beyond the saving grace of Jesus. And doing just a bit of research on this text, this is part of what is called the travel narrative. And it really goes from Luke 17 right through the triumphal entry of Jesus and what scholars have said is being that this account right here is linked closely with Luke 18 and, and, and the blind beggar receiving sight, the message is that the gospel came to save the outcast. The, the, the gospel is for anyone. And Zacchaeus truly was, was an outcast. He, he was a chief tax collector. What that means is he, he was a tax collector but, but he really oversaw a district in the Roman Empire and oversaw other tax collectors. And what they would do is they were, they were uh, assigned to collect taxes for Rome, but what they were able to do was collect taxes above and beyond what they had to give to Rome, and then they could just keep the excess for themselves. And Jericho was a major custom city, and so what you had was these tax collectors collecting this, this illegitimate money, so to speak, giving to Rome 
what they were required to give to Rome and then keeping everything else for themselves. And so the Bible says that, that they were wealthy. And it would, it would be hard to communicate the hate that people had for tax collectors. They, they, they were hated and they were despised. Not only were, were they working for uh, the Roman government, but they were cheating their own people. And yet, what do we see here in the life of Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector? We find that that material wealth does not bring lasting fulfillment. Right? Because this dude was wealthy. I'm sure he had a sweet house. But there was something in his heart that was missing. How do we know that? Because he took the undignified step of running, which people really did not do in those times. He, he took another undignified step of climbing this sycamore fig tree. This was a tree with a, a large trunk and, and 30 to 40 foot branches that were strong that could hold an adult. And so he climbs this sycamore tree, and then Jesus says, the key is today, I want to I come and stay at, at your house. And people begin to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, now we don't know a ton about what happened in that home, but we do know that salvation took place in that home, and someone who was an outcast was radically transformed by Jesus. Radically transformed by Jesus. In fact, fact it says here, and, and some scholars believe that this this verse right there where it says he came to seek and save the lost, that this is really the key verse in the gospel of Luke. I just love the, the uh, scripture in Titus, Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 5, that says this, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Man, isn't that good Bible right there? Isn't that good Bible right there? When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of anything that we have done, but because of his mercy. And so can I just encourage us all today that, that I don't know where you've come from today or what your history is or your background Man, we can freely come to Jesus and receive his grace. And it's not an invitation to be religious. It's not an invitation to, to rules and regulations, right? It's an invitation to freely come to Christ and, and to find fulfillment that we cannot find in anything or anywhere or anyone else. Because Jesus came to save the outcast just like us. Amen? Amen? Secondly is this. Would you write this down? Jesus causes us to see people and possessions differently. Jesus causes us to see people and possessions differently. What would you notice from this text that, that Zacchaeus has not just one reconciliation with God, but actually two of them. He has a, a spiritual reconciliation but he also has a financial reconciliation with God. Did you catch that? 
So he's radically transformed by Jesus. And then he comes out in Luke 19, and he, he says, Look, Lord, there in verse 8, Here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And so he, he, he made this commitment that not only was he transformed and not only was he going to serve the Lord going forward, but he was going to right past wrongs. And he says, here and now, I'll give half of all I own to the poor. And he says, if I've cheated anybody out, I'll pay him back four times, which was above and beyond what was required for Old Testament restitution. Listen to what Jesus says about this whole topic in Matthew chapter 6, verses uh, 19 through 21. He says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be what? Also. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So Jesus is speaking here, and he, oftentimes in biblical times, a person's wealth was seen in their elaborate clothes. And so he says, just how clothing is vulnerable to, to, to mice and to moth, so is money and possessions Vulnerable, and we, we understand that, and we get that. We, the stock market can just crash. The real estate market can crash. We can, we can lose a job. We can be moved to part-time. We can have a worldwide pandemic, you know, right? Th things are vulnerable. And, and so Jesus says, make it your purpose to invest in eternity. Man, invest we're just, things cannot be stolen. In fact, I, I got, let me kind of give a visual, you know, for this. I have, you know, a rope here. And, and I want you to just imagine, you know, for just a brief moment that, that this rope represents each of our lives. And that it represents our lives both, both here on earth as well as in eternity. And I want you to imagine with me for a moment that this, this rope goes on forever. And, and, and this, this little red part right here represents our time on earth. And then all this other part of the rope right here represents what? Our eternity. And, and where we will spend. And, and just imagine this just goes on forever. And so the Bible says in James, as we all know, it's a, it says that our, our life is a mist, right? We're, we're, we're here today and we're gone tomorrow. I, I love that scripture where, where Paul says, he goes, I fought the good fight, I've, I finished the race, and now the time for my departure is near, he says. And what's interesting, doing just a bit of research on that word departure in the original language, it actually means to set sail. So, so powerful that Paul as he was coming to the end of his life and thinking about his time in eternity, actually used a word that speaks of a beginning. 
So as he's reflecting upon the end of his life, he actually uses a word that speaks of the time for my, my departure. I'm setting sail to, to this, to, to eternity. And so I believe what the Bible teaches us is just, just, just live this part right here with a heart and a mind on this. Yeah. It's like, if it, man, if there's a heaven, live like it here. Yeah. In this moment right here. To do all we can to just build up treasures there in eternity. And you know what the amazing thing is? Is you as a church are living this. You, 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 you are doing that. So just reach out to Peter. Say, just share with me just a few things that, that you guys are doing. And it was just so inspiring about that you, you guys are done 100 backpacks for, for, for kids in the community. You sent $40,000 to, to widows and kids in India, those who were impacted by COVID. You've sent money to Thailand. You, you give over $100,000 a year to missions, like Peter talked about. And I'm always just so encouraged and challenged and inspired because when we give to missions, we are part of every one of those lives that are impacted through those missionaries. It just blows my mind that when we give to missions, we can actually say, I'm helping change the world for Jesus. And you're doing that at an incredible amount. And just story after story of just you living this out as a church. And it's inspiring and encouraging to see the good work that you are doing. And I've just been, even recently, just been so, so challenged and inspired as I've just seen you know, people in our own kind of you know, relationship circle, just people that we know about, just, just living for eternity. You know, we, uh, I pastor, in, in, as, as you know, uh, uh, in Stone Church in Yakima and we just, about a year ago, uh, re- received word that there was a gentleman in Yakima uh, who, who we would learn was, was very wealthy, and he, he tragically passed away. And he was not married, and he had no kids. And, and what he did was, in his will, he gave his entire state, he divided it between seven different churches or nonprofits. And, and, and we were one of those churches. And so it was us and other churches and the Union Gospel Mission. And, and so our executive pastor has been on these, you know, Zoom calls with this lawyer who's kind of taking care of this estate. And we did not know how much or what it would be. And so Manny, our, our executive pastor, said, well, well how, much, how much, you know, is this individual's estate worth? And they said, we estimate it to be worth between five and ten million dollars. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and, and so we're talking about, man, Manny and I are talking, man, could this help us pay off our building? If we pay off our building, it would free up $25,000 a month to be used for ministry purposes. And so, yeah, in December, we get a check for 500000 and then there's going to be a couple hundred thousand more. And all of a sudden, it's just, it's just incredible to think that this guy in his death is just igniting the work of God in Yakima. Yeah. Just, just, just igniting the work of God through, through generosity and, and just kind of just understands this, Right? understands eternity. And so, so we're, 
we're kind of saying, man, wait, maybe paying off our building in the next couple of years is, is maybe something that's realistic. And so we're going to encourage and inspire our people to, to give towards that. And, and so I, I sat with a, a gentleman just a few weeks ago and said, you know, we're, we really love to kind of pay off our building. And, and we need to kind of, you know, one person to give 100000 and two to give fifty, and yada, yada, yada. And just, you know, would you pray about any of these things? And, and he got back to me about an hour later and said, you know, we'll give the $100,000. And I'm like, are you for real? And guys, I saw him that night at a meeting. And I said, I hug him. I hug him. You know what I'm saying? I just hug. Give me, give me a long hug. And he just says, what a privilege it is. What a privilege it is. It's just such a joy to be able to give to the work of God. And don't get me wrong. They, they have nice things and enjoy nice things. But they just, they, they find joy in really igniting the work of God. And so when our hearts transform, when we understand how this can impact this, it just shifts our perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. On money and possession. Say, say man, I want the thrill of advancing God's kingdom. Number three is this. We find that Jesus inspires generosity. So not only is Jesus just can radically save people and, and our perspective on, on money and finances is, is shifted, but Jesus inspires generosity. There was this little, little boy named Johnny, and he, he got a quarter stuck in his throat. And so his mom and dad were freaking out. And so the, the mom was like, call a doctor, yelling to her husband, call a doctor, call a doctor. And... Her husband got on the phone and called their pastor. And she's like, why are you calling our pastor? We don't need our pastor. We need a doctor. He says, no, we need our pastor because our pastor can get money out of anybody. <laughs> now, 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 hear my heart. That's not my heart. I know it's not Peter's heart. You know, it's not that we want something from you, but want something for you. You know what I'm saying? And uh, look with me at Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. If you're taking notes, let me just give you kind of just three quick uh, just observations from Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. Just, no, number one is this. If we're not tithing, the Bible says that we're robbing God. If we're not tithing, the Bible says that we're, we're robbing God. A, a tithe means a tenth. And so the Bible says to bring a tithe or a tenth to our storehouse, which is our, our, our local church, wherever we're being spiritually fed. So the Bible speaks about that. Proverbs 4 also says, uh, Proverbs 3 says, says uh, honor the Lord with the first fruits. And so the Bible says to, to bring God the first and the best. We then see this throughout the New Testament in Matthew 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting 
the former. And so Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He's saying, well, listen, you, 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 you tithe and, and continue to tithe, but you have forgotten the, the way to your heart matters of justice and, and mercy that I want to be a part of, of my followers. Then I think you could also look to, to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, where, where, where Jesus, when speaking of the law of grace, is always raising the standard. He says, man, you, you, you've heard it said, don't commit murder. But I say, don't even let angry fill your heart, right? Anger fill your heart. So he was always raising the standard for us as, as followers of Jesus under, under grace. Secondly, is, is this. If we're not tithing, we're not being fully blessed by God, the Bible teaches us here. Meaning that, that, that really failing to tithe b- blocks God's ability to bless us to the extent that he would like to. Now, l- l- let me, let me kind of draw a, a visual out for this that I, I saw that I think is a great, really, way to kind of illustrate uh, what this looks like. So, so really, there are... There, there, there are two different types of people. There are what we'll call the Christian non-tither. Okay, these people are amazing. They love Jesus. They serve. They're involved in life groups. They're awesome. I'm, I'm sure they're they're here today. And, and if you talk to a a Christian non-tither, what they would typically say is, is Jeff, I've done the math. I've done the math, and for me to get from point A to point B in my life and bills and family, it is going to require 100% of my income. They said, Jeff, I've done the math. I got it. For me to get from A to B, it's going to take 100%. Okay? And then there are what we'll call Christian tithers. Okay, now, if you were to speak to a Christian tither, what they would say is, I am still going to get to point B, but I'm going to get there on 90%. Meaning, I believe that God is going to supernaturally stretch that 90% so that I'm gonna get no less further down the road. And because I believe this with all my heart and mind and I've, I've just seen evidence of this in my life, because I believe this, I am now going to allocate 10%, like the Bible says, you know, to my you know, well, local church or wherever I'm being spiritually fed. But here's the amazing thing if you talk to the Christian tither. Not only do they think that they're going to get to this point B and that God is going to supernaturally stretch out 90% and get them there, if you talk to them, they actually believe that there's also what we'll call a C-section. And the Bible speaks to this of like blessing, right? Or Bible says favor might be another word that, that you would. And so what they believe is not only is God going to get me to this point B, but I'm actually going to experience the C-section. And maybe some ladies are like, I've had enough C-sections, thank you so much. But you know what I'm saying. 
So they actually believe that not only, not only am I gonna get it here, but I'm gonna experience God's blessing and God's favor. And so this is what they believe that Malachi 3 teaches. Now, you wanna know what is super funny? Is each of these people think the other person is ridiculous. Right? Right? Each of these people, if you talk to them, think the other person is way off. If you talk to a Christian non-tither, okay, they will say, I can't believe you drank the Kool-Aid. Right? They're like, you fell for what the pastor said. Right? You are crazy. I knew when you started going to that church, you start doing, you know, crazy things. They think it's crazy. But if you talk to the Christian tither, they would say, how could you miss out on this? How could you miss out on the blessing and the favor of God? And it comes and it looks, you know, differently. There's relational blessings and financial blessings and Maybe your vehicle goes a little bit longer. We have a, a, a 1998 Honda Accord that's at 260,000 miles. We have, and then you know what our other vehicle is? A 2008 Honda Odyssey that has 216,000 miles, right? Our daughters hate that fact, right? But I'm like, dude, that is C-section, baby. Because I got no payments. Right. Again, they don't appreciate this, but I do. I do. I do. And so this is what, what the Bible teaches, I believe, is a way to look at Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 through 11. Lastly, I would say this. God, the, the third observation from this text is, is God invites us to test him in this. God, God invites us to test him in this. It's just so intriguing. You know, we're really not... We're told not to put God to the test, except for here. And God invites us to say, man, see if you just don't do this, if I won't just pour out the floodgates of blessing on your life. Just, just test me in this. It was crazy. I, I talked to, there's a, a gentleman in our church, and his name is Lance, and, and I actually called him a couple weeks ago just to be sure I had this story straight in my mind, because they, they, they would have been, you know, the Christian non-tithers. And they had a business, and every year, you know, month over month, their business was up about 30%. And then there was a point when they said, you know, we, we, we believe the Bible teaches this principle of just giving to God and generosity and honoring the Lord and the tithe. And so they started to do, and they own an espresso business. And literally not lying, the next month, their increase over the previous year went from 30 to 35 percent to 65 to 70 percent and he said since that moment a couple years ago it's never been under 65 to 70 percent growth and so it's like 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 just this powerful example of just man just honor god put him first test him and then just see see god's blessings and so again i would just 
encourage us all with a couple things. Man, let's live for eternity, amen? Let's live for the long part of the robe. Man, like you're doing, let's experience the thrill of advancing the kingdom of God. And you're doing that as a church. You're a part of changing the world. And then maybe you're here today and you're like, man, Jeff, I've never been able to get my head around like this. Here's my encouragement is, is let's just take God at his word. And I would encourage you, test, test the Lord in this. And I would encourage you to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a, a, a 60 day tithe challenge. I'm doing it for 60 days and just see if the Lord won't just bless in incredible ways. And then when he does, man, tell people about it. Tell Peter about it. You know what I'm saying? Just so we can just celebrate the story with you. Amen. Can I pray? Lord, we just thank you for your generosity towards us. Lord, we thank you that you came to save us and that we can come to you freely just in all our imperfections. And you can bring fulfillment that can't be found anywhere or with anyone or anything else. And so, Lord, I pray for my friends here today. I pray for for those that maybe need to put you back in the center of their life. I pray in this moment that they would say, Jesus, would you come into my heart? God, I I want transformation. I want to be a new creation. Lord, thank you for your generous love and sending Jesus. And today I, I receive that gift. God, I want to be prepared for eternity, the long part of the rope. And today I, I, I say that prayer to accept your gift of love. And Lord, I pray just for all of us that, that we would live like there's a heaven. God, that we would just invest like there's a heaven. Lord, I thank you so much for this amazing church that is living out these principles, that's investing and giving to missions and compassion in this community. Lord, I pray you just bless them. Bless this church. Bless the people of this church. God, may you just be glorified in them and through them in this community. And God, I just pray for those that say, okay, I'm gonna gonna take a 60-day tithe challenge. Let's do it because we want the C-section. And I pray, God, that they would just see your faithfulness and provision in their life and your blessing and favor. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Love you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Jeff. Man, I I already uh, enjoy being generous, but I'm inspired even more so to do that. Hey, I hope you have an incredible day in the Lord today. Live for God, live for eternity, and let's just be a blessing everywhere we go. All right, God bless you. Have a great week.